You're listening to the serial podcast production of Hidden Things, written and read by Doyce Testerman. This is episode 17, brought to you by Kickstarter backers Kyle Freeman and Sprocket the Fastidious Wonder Dog. Chapter 12. We're making lousy time, Calliope said. Vicus looked up from his breakfast and mumbled something around a mouthful of toast and scrambled eggs. He kept his hood raised in the diner, but Calliope found that she had no trouble seeing his face within its shadows anymore. We left my house four days ago, and we haven't gotten halfway there. Vicus lifted a gloved hand and extended his index finger in the air while he swallowed. First day, <clears throat> we got started late. Then the trouble at the motel. He extended the second finger. Short day to get to Gershon's, which was sort of out of the way, but worth it. He extended a third finger. Then the snowstorm came on in the middle. I know, Calliope said. I know why it happened. Vicus speared hash browns with one hand and grabbed packets of jelly from a dispenser on the table with the other. The former going into his mouth, the latter into a pocket. Then what's the problem? I want this to be done. I want to get where we're going and find out what's going on. Vicus gave her a look. What? Vicus continued to watch her face, then set down his fork and wiped his mouth with the back of his gloved hand. You've got some sort of notion that getting where we're going will fix everything. This isn't a fairy tale. It really couldn't be. At least, not the kind they tell little kids. There's more to it than that. Calliope set down her coffee cup hard enough to slosh some of the liquid over the edge. Then what's the point? You tell me, Vicus said. You're the one that got Gluin's super secret message from behind the grave. I've told you what the message was, Calliope said, so maybe you could quit. She stopped. Tell me what you just said. Vicus paused. You're the one White sent a message to? Calliope shook her head. No, you used a phrase for it. Behind the, yes, that. Where did you learn it like that? It's not behind, it's beyond. Vicus shrugged, looking puzzled. It's how it's said with, well, us, I guess. All of us. What difference does it make? Walker. Walker said it that way. Vicus searched her face. The one from back at your office? Calliope nodded. You know him. Vicus's mouth twisted. Walker's a potential problem, but I think we dodged him. I'm pretty sure those guys from the motel were sent by him, and we lost them, so he's out of the picture. Not my picture, she muttered. Vicus raised an eyebrow, his expression wary. I'm not following. I've been dreaming about him, she frowned. I think. I don't really remember much about the dreams, except he's there and he's asking me questions. Walker is? Calliope nodded, again, her body tense for reasons she couldn't name. Vicus searched her face, then set down the fork and started to slide out of the booth. We'd better get moving. The number of people tangled up in this, Vicus said, is getting hard to keep track of. Calliope pulled into the passing lane for the third time in twice as many minutes. At least you know these freaks. I'm completely lost. She glanced at Vicus without turning her head fully. Sorry. He shook his head, barely listening. He worked his unlit cigar between his fingers, but paid it no other attention. 
The way I figure it, that makes at least three groups, not counting Gershon, tied up in this. He's one of the... He's a satyr, Vicus said, answering the question before she asked. Was. Uh, gave it up. Calliope tilted her head, something half-remembered inside her, knowing it was the truth. Gave it up? Some of it. Vicus shrugged in his peculiar, hard-to-watch way. Enough to fit in. Another way to hide. Not... No. Vicus shifted in his seat. What Gershon is doing isn't hiding so much as... removing just enough of himself that hiding isn't required. I like him. Calliope felt defensive on the little hairy man's behalf. I like him too, Vicus replied. But that's what he did. He let some of himself go to fit in. Gluin did the same kind of thing. His jaw muscles worked. Walker took it a lot further. And you... Calliope's voice was even, but sounded distant to her own ears. To hear Gershon equated to the sour-faced Walker made something in her chest go cold and hard. You hide. That's better? It's not... Vicus cut himself off, but Calliope could feel his glare even though she kept her eyes on the curving road. We all pay prices. The prices Gershon and I pay are different. Neither is better. Okay? Okay. Calliope let the hum of the tires on the highway fill the cab before changing the subject. Three groups? Three groups. You don't think there's overlap somewhere? Vicus considered it, then shook his head. No one's reach goes that far. White's killer would have had to plan someone ahead of time. Walker might have sent the goons at the hotel, but he definitely wasn't there. And that's weird because he's the sort of guy who wants to be hands-on. You know him. It wasn't a question, but Calliope felt unexpectedly tense, waiting for his reply. Vicus's expression soured further. I do, and that's not great news. Calliope considered mentioning Phagos, trying to explain his involvement without mentioning the diner or the deal she had made with him. She shoved the idea away. I just want to figure out what happened to Joshua. He said... She swallowed. Her mouth was dry. Or why? He told me what happened, I guess, but not why. Vicus did not ask for more. If we keep going and nothing gets any worse than it is, we should be fine. Nothing's come apart yet. Calliope thought of the encounter with Phagos and shook her head a bare fraction of an inch, almost a warding gesture. Sounds good, she said. Vicus glanced at her, then settled his head back, a slight crease in his brow. He said nothing, but in Calliope's relatively brief experience, his silence was usually significant. What? she asked. He looked at her, frowning. Excuse me? What's the look for? What look? He gestured at the front window. I was looking at the road. She worked her jaw. You had a look. I did not. He stopped himself and turned back to the road. Calliope let the silence build up, a trick she had taught herself in the last few years. It didn't come naturally to her, but she'd met very few people who could leave a conversation unfinished when faced with a long stretch of, I was expecting another round of questions, Vicus said. He looked at her, wearing a vaguely irritated expression. I say something like, as long as things don't get worse, things probably won't get worse, and I kind of expect you're going to bust me on it. You didn't. It caught my attention. Calliope smirked, shaking her head. 
I'd just been thinking that the fact that you hadn't said anything probably meant something. Vicus grunted. Apparently we're both more interesting when we aren't talking. Calliope's mouth quirked. Wouldn't be the first time someone's told me that. Likewise. Vicus leaned his head to the side, scratching his neck. I don't mind the questions, though, just so you know. Really? Calliope cocked an eyebrow. Vicus made a sour face. I can't always explain everything, but that doesn't mean they aren't good questions. I'm supposed to be good at that, Calliope said. Detective agency? Sure, he frowned. Actually, I've got a question about that. Calliope kept her hands loose on the wheel and her tone light. Why a crappy skip-trace agency? Vicus rocked his head back and forth. Sure, if you want to put it that way. He made a gesture with the hand resting on the door's armrest. I've heard you sing, so you can't tell me that chasing down bail jumpers and taking pictures of cheating husbands is the thing you do best. It's not, Calliope said, but sometimes you can be really good at something and still not be able to do it very well, you know? Vicus looked at her, his expression made even more blank by his shining black eyes. Calliope sighed. Being a good singer doesn't actually mean I'm very good at being in a band. Ah. Vicus leaned back in his seat. Yeah. Okay. He smirked. Calliope scowled at him, sidelong. What? He shook his head, as though it wasn't important enough to repeat. Just wondering if you were McCartney or Lennon. She considered that, watching the dotted lines of the highway slip past. Buddy Holly, she finally said. Her voice was soft, nearly lost in the noise of the road. Ah. Vicus paused, as though choosing his next words carefully. So, no Nick and Nora Charles fantasies behind the white agency, then? What? Calliope shot him a look. Josh and I weren't together when you started the agency. Vicus frowned. I didn't. It was his idea, Calliope continued, speaking over him. I had to get my cert as we went. Took more than a year. It wasn't fun. Whoa, hey. Vicus raised his gloved hands. Sorry, I didn't. Just, you know what? Calliope cut in. Let's not, okay? Okay. Vicus settled back in his seat. A few seconds later, he murmured, You just ask good questions, is all I meant to say. The road rolled by beneath them, filling the small cab with its drone. Vicus almost didn't hear Calliope's quiet. Thanks. It's always how I thought Weathertop would look, Calliope said. They had emerged from the mountains and were driving north along I-25. Vicus didn't need to ask what she was talking about. A monolithic slab of native stone jutted out of the tall hill that rose just to the east of its namesake city of Castle Rock. It had loomed ahead of them for the last twenty minutes of their approach, drawing attention with its casual authority. You've been here before? Vicus said. I drove back home to visit my sister a couple times, Calliope said. Then I came to my senses. You flew after that? I stopped going at all. She turned her attention back to the massive hill. The last time I came through here was with Josh, sightseeing. She paused. Stalling, really. We were going to stop and hike up to the top, but they've got all kinds of... She shook her head. It wasn't something we could set up in an afternoon. Why not set it up on the way out and do it on the way back? Vicus scanned the hill that dominated the skyline, almost as if he was looking for something in particular. When Calliope didn't reply, he turned toward her. We didn't feel like it on the way back. Her eyes drifted down to the dashboard dials and displays. I'm going to stop for gas and get something to eat. 
Vicus nodded and pulled up his hood. While Vicus filled up the jeep, Calliope went into the station to pick up something that passed for food. Neither cared for eating while they drove, and both preferred, if that was the word for it, meals in diners, where the quality of the cook could be determined by the number of professional truck drivers sitting inside. But a sense of urgency had grown between them hour by hour, and Vicus didn't stop her when she went inside. She emerged from the station with a flimsy bag in one hand and a cardboard tray holding two massive plastic soda cups in the other. Vicus didn't acknowledge her return. When she went around to his side of the jeep, his attention was focused beyond the silent pump to the highway exit visible down the street. What's going on? she asked. For several moments, Vicus didn't reply. Calliope pulled her coat more tightly around her against the cold. Something's here, he finally said. The statement chilled Calliope more than the mountain air. Do you know, do you, who? Was it waiting for us? Vicus's hood moved back and forth. I don't think so. I think they've been following us. Calliope frowned. For how long? I thought you could tell when... Maybe since we got back on the interstate, which I'm suddenly thinking might have been a mistake. I can't tell, though. Someone's been shielding them. His eyes narrowed. They aren't now. Calliope didn't ask why. That was one of the million-dollar questions to which they never seemed to have an answer. She could come up with a number of reasons herself, all equally likely, and none of them comforting. Can we keep going? Lose them going through Denver or taking back roads? Another head shake. Not being found is one thing. Losing them is something else entirely. Besides, he glanced up at the mountains that crowded in at the town from the west. I don't think they're going to wait around after it gets dark. So, tell me you have a plan. Ficus turned toward her. She could see him wink within the depths of his hood. Let's eat, and you can tell me what kind of problems you had when you tried to do that hike with White. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hidden Things Audiobook Podcast. This DRM-free production was made possible by the Hidden Things Audiobook Kickstarter backers and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivative Works 3.0 license. As always, watch out for the hidden things. Hidden Things